Well, good morning, Bell Shoals family. It is so great to see you as we uh, worship King Jesus together. I wanna welcome those of you in the room with us at our Brandon campus and those of you who are joining us online from across West Central Florida and the United States and even our friends who are watching around the world, we welcome you. And uh, we're so glad that you are connecting with us today as we kick off our very first week of this new initiative called Go 2030. And uh, last Sunday night at our combined campus celebration, we had in this room uh, people and members from every campus of Bell Shoals had a phenomenal evening together. And we rolled out this new vision for the next seven years called Go 2030, where we will prayerfully, by God's grace and God's enablement, reach over 1,200 people with the gospel of Jesus Christ right here in West Central Florida. We will send over 1,000 of our members on mission overseas and domestically. We will enroll 750 students in our academy. We will disciple 700 in D groups. We will launch five new campuses, including our very first launch, which will be a relaunch of our Riverview campus with the target of Easter of next year. And we will buy seven years at the longest, at the latest, operate debt-free as a church. And uh, this is what we call Go 2030. This is what we are striving for together over the next seven years. And I would love for you to join the movement and be a part of this, not just as a member of Bell Shoals, but as a participant in this vision to invite people to come to share your faith, to go on mission, to be a part potentially of one of our new campus starts here in the next seven years, to encourage and help our academy as you can, to be in a D group if you're not already, <laughs> and, um, and to give to carry out this mission, not just of being debt-free, but of ultimately getting the gospel to the nations. We are Bell Shoals. We're part of a mission and a movement that's changing the world. And since 1961, this is what we have always been about. And uh, I'm so excited for this next season of ministry. So excited for you to be a part of it. And uh, if you're new to Bell Shoals, maybe this is your first Sunday with us today, uh, you are here at an incredible time as we look into these next seven years together and just prayerfully consider um, all that God can do and, and look expectantly into what he will do. So uh, I'm excited. I know you're excited. And uh, I just want to say, let's go. Let's go. It's time to go. And... Uh, we're excited. We're excited. I also want to thank those of you who came to our combined campus celebration last week. Some of you had Jeremiah's for the very first time. And uh, that was pretty cool. We actually had so many people come. Uh, I think we ran out. We thought we were going to have some leftovers. We ordered a ton of Jeremiah's, a ton, a lot. Um, and I thought that maybe uh, I would get to take some home. And uh, you robbed me of that opportunity. Uh, and so <laughs> that was the only downside of combined last week is we had so many of you engaged and so many of our church family engaged from across all of our campuses. I uh, mean, we ran out of Jeremiah's, I think within like 
five minutes. Um, and I had some of you come up and like, hey, this is the first time I've had it. It's amazing. It's changed my life. And uh, so we're not going to do this every Sunday night, okay. But there is a Jeremiah's not far from here and you can check that out. But I'm super excited for what God has done, what he is doing. And we, we do look expectantly to what he's going to do. Because here's the thing. When you look back over human history and, and you go, I mean, I'm talking about all the way back, all right? Like if you go back to the very beginning of Israel, okay, like let's just go back to the very beginning of God's chosen people, right? You know what you find? You find that from the very beginning, God's people are blessed in order to be a blessing to others. Like that's actually woven into the fabric of God's calling to Abraham. God says, I'm I'm gonna raise you up, send you out, and then I'm going to bless your descendants so that you will multiply throughout the earth and you will be so numerous, really you can't even be counted, but he says, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing to the nations. And from the very beginning of, 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 of Israel's history, they were blessed, Abraham in particular, blessed to be a blessing to others, to share the good news of God's favor and faithfulness. And you know what? Even though we're no longer in those days and we are thankfully a part of the mission and movement of the church, right on this side of Calvary, looking back on what God has done through Jesus, the Messiah. Listen, our mission is really no different. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. And we are blessed to be a blessing to the nations. We are carrying on in a very real sense, the mission of Abraham, that God's people, that, 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 that God's children, right? Because Paul helps us to understand that the ultimate fulfillment of God's covenant with Abraham is you and me. Gentiles, do I have any Gentiles in the house today? Okay, Gentiles are not those of us who were born north of the Mason-Dixon line, okay? Gentiles are all of us who don't come out of Jewish descent, right? Who aren't by biological birth, children of Abraham. Listen, Paul's saying the ultimate fulfillment of God's covenant with Abraham is you and me. A people blessed by God's faithfulness to reach not just the Jew, but also the Greek, the whole world with the gospel. And therefore we are now as children of Abraham in that sense, children of faith, children redeemed by the blood of Christ. Guess what? We are, we're the children of Abraham. We're carrying on this mission to bless the nations with the gospel, with the good news of salvation. And that's what we are all about. It's what we've always been about. And, and so in our current teaching series called Rethinking Rich, we've, we've been focusing on what it looks like to manage and to multiply what we have so that we can be a blessing to others. And we're going to wrap up the series this week and, and we're going to think about what it looks like to, to, to live a life of stewardship that is rooted in contentment, identity in Christ and that positions us to carry out this mission that has really always been our mission. This series called Rethinking Rich is, is, is all about really taking inventory of what it actually truly means to be rich. And it's not just having a lot. 
right? So we've seen some different aspects of this. And it's not being rich, it's, it's, it, there's more involved to that than just having a lot. We've seen about, uh, about rethinking rich, that, that some of us need to understand that, you know, rich is a relative term. And the reality is most of us are on the rich end of the global spectrum. We need to rethink rich in terms of what it means to live a life of impact. So we've been talking about our value system. We've been talking about what it means to manage well what God's entrusted to us. We've been talking about what it means to multiply what God entrusts to us. And today as we wrap up this series, we're going to talk about what it means to master our money and to live a life to where we govern our dollars. Our dollars don't govern us because we are blessed to be a blessing and we are blessed. I've told you in this series that that being blessed for us is not something that should be caused for guilt, but it should be caused for gratitude. And this whole series is really about leaning into gratitude and therefore stewarding well what we have, right? It's not about feeling guilty that we are so abundantly blessed as a people who live in the United States. It's about being grateful for all that God has given and provided. And it's about being generous. It's multiplying what God has entrusted to us. And if you need any evidence for the fact that we are so blessed, right, like... Just look around. Uh, has this ever happened to you? You ever have an Amazon box land at your front door, you go pick it up, take it in the house, and you don't remember what's in it? <laughs> that ever happened to you? You ever have multiple Amazon boxes hit the house and you're like, I don't even remember what I ordered? <laughs> and with Prime, sometimes it could even be the same day delivery. And if you order something on the same day and it comes and you get the box and you don't know what it is, not only are you so richly blessed that that's just your privilege, but you're probably getting old, okay? Like, like if it's a two-day prime delivery, okay, I get it. That's just, we're so blessed, we can't even keep track of all of our stuff. But if it's the same day, that's probably an age issue, okay? Which I encountered that yesterday. I had a tennis match yesterday. I played a little tennis and I played a kid who was like in his 20s. I'm not in my 20s. And we played this match and we get done and uh, played okay and went over kind of this group, group of guys there after our match. We're all just kind of hanging out. And uh, this kid says to me, I use the term kid loosely because he's in his 20s. And he said, man, hey, I was just telling them, you move really, really good for someone your age. <laughs> And I don't appreciate that. <laughs> so I want you, I just want you all to know, September 24th, 2022, it's the first time I've ever received in my life a comment like that. <laughs> I am that age. And I said, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, I'm there, right? And I said, dude, that is the nicest backhanded compliment anyone has ever given me. And he's like, no, man, I'm serious. Like, for real, you move so good for someone your age. I heard you the first time. <laughs> All right, so if you're that person, okay, maybe I should say this. If you're in my age demographic, all right, 
and you forget the Amazon Prime same day, okay, that's just, we're in that age demographic, right? But I mean, there's so many times, like stuff comes to the front door and I'm like, I can't even remember what we are. Like, we just have so much stuff, you know? Um, this ever happened to you? You ever been like driving in the car, you're talking to your spouse or somebody in your family or whatever, and you're talking about whatever it is, you know, oh man, have you seen this? Yeah, that's new. I'd love to have that. Oh, that's so cool. And then like three hours later, scrolling through social media, an ad comes up for that thing you were talking about. <laughs> that ever happened to you? Now that's just creepy. But... <laughs> Like that's the day and age in which we live, right? Like not only are we blessed, again, not to feel guilty, but just grateful. Like, man, we are blessed. Like a lot of times we're ordering stuff. We can't even keep track of all the stuff we're ordering. And then like we, we have so many opportunities now, like our phones are actually telling us what we need <laughs> because they heard something that we said or someone around us said, and we just, we're constantly bombarded, even though we have so much, right? We've been talking about this. We, we're constantly bombarded even with the stuff we don't yet have. And so as we're rethinking rich, kind of land the plane on this series today, I, I want us to think then what it, what it looks like in this culture to actually master all of this stuff and leverage it so as to be a blessing to others. Because he, here's, here's what happens. Even though we are, most of us, right, we're, we're on the rich end of the spectrum, okay? E- even though we are so blessed. As I've been saying for the past couple of weeks, it's just amazing how many of us don't feel rich, don't feel like we're all that blessed, don't feel like we have a lot. And a part of the reason for that is we're just bombarded with the reminders of everything we don't have. And if you think this is just an American problem, here's what I want to highlight for you today. This is not an American problem. This is a human heart problem. We're just by nature, not a content, settled people. Our eyes always seem to wander toward what we don't have, what our spouse isn't like. how our job could be better. We, 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 we just, we're just prone to it. And, and in fact, listen, do you realize people in societies that are not as richly blessed as ours struggle with the same type of stuff? It's in the human heart. Let me take you all the way back to Solomon, right? In a day and an age where there was no middle class, there's kind of the haves and the have-nots. Now he was one of the haves, but, but, but Solomon in all of his wisdom understood there's a problem here with the human heart for the haves and the have-nots. Here's what he says, Sheol and Abaddon. So in other words, hell and the grave. Think of it that way, right? Like hell and the grave, okay, are never satisfied and people's eyes are never satisfied. Isn't that a good word? And Solomon wrote that years ago, like <laughs> a lot of years ago, right? And, and, so, and so here's the thing. We, even though we are so richly blessed, e- even though we have so much, even though we, we live in a day and an age and in a society where we're afforded numerous opportunities, we are also reminded daily of the opportunities we don't have, of the items we don't have. We think toward the spouse that we don't have or the kids that we don't have or the job that we don't have or whatever the case may be. We're always so focused on these things. That's just kind of the drift of our heart. And so hear, hear me on this. This is, this is what I want to show you today. True wealth, 
True wealth is not about a financial number. It's about being content with what you have. Let me say it this way. You are truly rich when you are content with what you have. When your eyes aren't wandering to what's next, what you don't have, what so-and-so isn't like, what could be different or better. You know what? The person who is content in Jesus with what he or she does have is truly content because there's not this ongoing wondering of what he or she doesn't have. And true wealth, again, is not about a certain amount in the 401k. It's not about keeping up with the Joneses. It's not about certain income levels we've seen. I've shown you in this series that people who make $75,000 don't feel rich. They think if they made $100,000, they'd be rich. And people who make $150,000 don't necessarily feel rich. They, they feel like if they made $250,000, they'd be rich. And on and on and on it goes. This is the cycle of life. This is what Solomon's talking about. The eyes are never satisfied. And, and so the answer to this in Christ, from a New Testament perspective, of course, is that contentment is available to us in Jesus because in Jesus, we have the ultimate fulfillment of what we truly need, need, need. And we can actually live, you can actually live in this world, managing, multiplying and mastering your stuff so that they don't manage and master you. You can live that kind of a life where you're not always chasing after what's next or what you don't have, but you're settled in who you are in Christ, what he's given you, which is what you need, how he's blessed you even beyond what you need. And you can learn the freedom and the beauty of actually leveraging what you have for kingdom causes and actually living a life characterized more by generosity than discontentment and focusing on what you have and then what you can give is how you can truly live. Because all of us, here, here, all of us are keenly aware of what we don't have. And, and if you're taking notes, just, just make a note of this. Listen, awareness fuels discontentment. Awareness puts the dis in discontentment. Comparison puts the dis in discontentment. You need what you don't have always, right? There's always something else, someone else, right? And, and you feel like there's, we're always chasing. We're always chasing. Our society's bombarding us with, with, with messaging, images, ads, all of this stuff, even on our phones, right? We're always just reminded of what we don't have and what we need to be respectable, acceptable, and lovable. And that explains why getting more and more and more doesn't solve this problem because our problem is a heart problem. And, and like any appetite, if you feed it, it only grows. And so what happens is many people today, despite how blessed they are, are feeding an appetite that they need more to be more. And so they keep feeding that appetite. And guess what happens? When you keep feeding that appetite, it grows. It doesn't diminish. And their discontent, awareness, and comparison puts the dis in discontent. And even though they're so richly blessed and have so many opportunities, they don't feel blessed. They don't feel like they've got these opportunities. They don't feel settled. They don't feel like they're enough or that they have enough because they're always chasing what they don't have. Now, this is a trap into which we fall because again, the core issue here is nothing material, it's spiritual. 
And I hope you understand in this series, as your pastor, my concern is your soul, not your wallet. (laughs) Which is the reason we've seen there is nothing wrong with wealth. The, The issues that we wrestle with are issues ultimately that flow from our hearts. And it's our hearts and our insecurities and our pride that lead us to always want something more and therefore to misuse what we have. And and that's why in this last message, I just want to focus on what it means to be truly wealthy and mastering what we have so it doesn't master us. And that's tied to contentment. here's Here's how the great... Apostle Paul said it to Timothy, right? And let me just preface this. Listen, we're going to go to 1 Timothy 6 here. Let me, listen to me. Paul wrote this to Timothy in a culture that did not have what we have. So just in case you think this is a material issue, it's, not, it's a spiritual issue, right? We just have more opportunities to lean into this than most cultures. And so this is a good warning for us because we are the people that Paul is concerned with here, right? But, but, the, but, the, but the instruction here was given to a people who did not have all that we have. And so that just reminds us, again, this is a hard issue. We all need to lean into this because we all have this propensity to, to put the dis and discontentment by, by comparison, right? By, by greater awareness of what we don't have or who we don't have. And so here's what, he, here's what Paul says to Timothy 2,000 years ago. He said, this, godliness with contentment is great gain. You put together godliness with contentment and you have great gain. What is godliness here? It's not just moral purity. It's also looking after the interest of others. We wanna think in terms of godliness here, not just moral purity, but also generosity because our God is a God who gives and blesses. And Paul's helping us understand that when you become godly in terms of how you live and how you give, right? When you have godliness with contentment, that's where you find great gain. Because then he says this in verse seven, we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. And then he gives this warning. Now, this is where he's talking about us, okay? He's talking about just most of us. He's talking about kind of our society. If Paul could give this word today, he would give it to our society, okay? He's saying those who want to be rich, those who have a desire to be Notice, not, Paul's not doesn't say those who are rich. He's saying those who, this is their desire, right? The, the, the ongoing awareness, right? The ongoing discontent, they just, the ongoing drive for more. What Solomon talked about, the eyes never being satisfied, just this desire of like more, 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 right? I want to be wealthier. I want to be prettier, right? I want to be, uh, I want to be successfuler, <laughs> right? Like, like it's just this, this ongoing drive. And when it comes to wealth, like I just more, 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 right? That's what he's talking about. Not being rich. He's talking about those who have a desire to be rich. And he says, watch this, they fall, literally the word here is plunge into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires, which here it is again, plunge people into ruin and destruction. Four, okay, four, connected to that now, the love of money, not money, the love of it. Again, this desire, this craving, more, 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 more. It's a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many Griefs. And so, and so here's, here's, here's Paul's encouragement to us. Here's what he's saying. Like, you are truly rich when you are content with what you have. You don't 
have to have more. You don't have to be more. No, you're content with who you are in Christ and what you have. And the, re- the reality of being wealthy is really rooted more in contentment than anything else. Because if you're truly content in Christ with what you have, as Paul says, food and clothing, anything beyond that <laughs> is wealth. Right, like I can only imagine if we said, hey, uh, Paul, would you, would you just comment for us on um, Amazon Prime same-day delivery? <laughs> like a culture where like you can order something. Like, can you just comment on the fact that like we have disposable income? Can you just comment on like, you know, ads coming up on our phones after we mentioned something? You know, and it's just like, yeah, he would say, yeah, 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 yeah. Just like what I wrote Timothy 2,000 years ago, it was true of a culture that didn't have what you have. So how much more of a temptation is it gonna be for you all, Right. Stop comparing. Lower the awareness that fuels discontentment and rest in who you are and what the Lord has provided through your hard work and dedication. And Paul would say, I think too, look at my life. Paul would say, I've lived on the spectrum, right? Highly educated, comes from the most prominent tribe of Israel, like at one point in time, incredibly prominent in his society. I mean, Paul had it all, right? And then of course, as he comes to faith in Christ miraculously, and he begins to lead this movement called the church throughout the first century world, then what's happening? I mean, Paul kind of lost it all. And he's, he's moving from town to town and, and he's planting churches. And, and in all of this, I mean, even writing from prison, right? At time, like, like let, me, let me remind you what Paul said, Philippians 4. He says, I've I've never truly been in need for I've learned, I've learned. This is what I'm saying. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can all kind of learn what this means, how to live in this, right? Paul says, I've learned. Like I didn't just, boom, I became a Christ follower and all of a sudden I was content with everything. No, the Lord is, is, is he's put in the new man and the new man's kind of working out the old man. So I've had to learn to lean into the new man, not the old man, what it means to be content with whatever I have. He says, for I, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or little. And then he says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength, right? That verse given in the context of contentment saying, I've learned whatever situation I'm in, right? I can be content with food and clothing. I will be content and and godness with contentment therefore leads to great wealth. It leads to being rich and feeling rich when you're not controlled by a desire for more and more and more and more and more then you can lean into what you have and then you can even leverage it for the blessing and benefit of others. All right, this, 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 is, this is the balance that we need. Epicurus said this on contentment years ago, add not to a man's possessions, but take away from his desires. Solomon said this in Proverbs 30. I love this. Check this out. Solomon's saying to his sons, hey, here's, here, this ought to be your perspective. Balance. Help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty or riches. 
Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For Solomon says, if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. This is why Paul says, with food and clothing will be content. He's saying it's the desire for wealth, the desire to be rich, right? This ongoing desire, eyes never satisfied. This is what leads to foolishness, as Solomon is suggesting. So, so learning, growing in Christ to be content. Is huge because as Paul says here, we bring nothing into the world and we're taking nothing out of it, and therefore we should settle ourselves in Christ and truly master what we have and leverage it appropriately. See, Paul's highlighting the folly of these wrong desires. You go back to verses 9 and 10. I love this. Paul says, The love of money, the love of more, let me say it that way, the love of more. Is a trap. And he says people plunge themselves into trouble. You know, the very idea of plunging <laughs> means like you didn't see it coming. It's kind of like you're, uh, you're cruising down a river on a canoe or something. You're on the Alify. I don't know why you would do that, but you're bored and you have nothing else to do. And, uh, so you just want to get in a canoe or a kayak or something, right? And, you're, and all of a sudden there's this huge waterfall and you didn't see it or hear it coming and you plunge, right? You didn't expect it. And Paul's saying this desire for more, 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 being more, having more, needing more, right? Like, like not being content with who I am, who I have around me and what God has provided through my work, right? Like, like this desire, he's saying like it's a trap and it will plunge you into foolish decisions, like you will do things in pursuit of these wrong desires, right? That will harm you. And it's like, it's, you're, it plunges you into these dire situations. Happens suddenly without warning, right? Here's what happens to people today. Listen, people plunge themselves into credit card debt, plunge themselves into more travel and less family, plunge themselves into a lease they have no business signing, plunge themselves into no giving and no saving. This, people make foolish decisions. Why? Because sin makes you stupid. And Paul's saying there's nothing wrong with having more. He's saying there is something wrong with always needing more. The desire to have more, be more. Like that desire, listen to the warning here, right? We see it throughout scripture. It's gonna plunge you into some decisions that are foolish and that you didn't see coming. It happens all the time. We need to work, therefore, against this desire. We need to master this desire by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can truly be content. This is what Solomon said, Proverbs 23. Just Again, just so you see, this is a heart problem, right? This is, this is, not, this is not just an us problem. This is a heart problem. Solomon, again, years ago said this, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. And so let me give you just another, just a point of application here, all right? Our, our main takeaway today is that if you are content, you're truly rich. And so let me just give you just an application here. Listen, money can ruin you by its presence and its absence. You have too much and you're mastered by it. You don't have enough and you're mastered by a desire to get more. 
In either case, money, can, the desire can ruin you by its presence and its absence. And so here's, here, here's the teaching of scripture. Lean in to who you are in Christ, what he's provided for you, and enjoy what he has given you without always chasing something more. You don't have to be more respectable because in Christ, he loves you and receives you fully. You can't be more lovable because in Christ, you are fully and radically loved. Right, like, you can't be any more acceptable in Jesus than you are right now. The Father could not love you any more right now than he already does. And so steady your heart, as Paul says, learn the blessing of contentment. And if you do, you'll be truly rich. And then you can master all that you have. And not be ruined by this ongoing desire for more, whether it's money that's there or money that you're chasing in the future. It's just settling your heart, as Solomon said, not wearing yourself out, always having to get more. Someone said, wealth is the servant of a wise man, but the master of a fool. And that's a good word. And, and so we enjoy what we have. We give what we have without plunging ourselves into a constant cycle of discontentment. Let me give you one more word. As Paul kind of concludes this letter to Timothy and he ties into this message of contentment, I love it. Here's what he says. So teach those who are rich. By the way, again, this is you and me, all right? So that's how we're gonna wind down our series here. Just this last word that Paul gives to you and me. Nothing wrong with being rich, nothing wrong with living in a culture like ours. He's just saying, just, just, just teach them in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them, Paul says, Timothy, you tell them to use their money to do good. That's the most fun with money you'll ever have, right? We talked about that last week with multiplying, right? Just use, use what God's given you, the extra that you have, right? Use it for good and be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience, look at this, I love this, true life. And that's such a good word for us. Because C.S. Lewis, the great C.S. Lewis, a great Christian thinker, said years ago, talking about pride, he said, you know what pride is? You know how pride ultimately manifests itself in our lives? Comparison. He's leaning into the same thing Paul's talking about here, the desire for more. Here's what C.S. Lewis said about pride. Pride takes pleasure only in having more than someone else. If we all had the same amount, none of us would be prideful. It's not that we take pride in having something. C.S. Lewis said, rightly, we take pride in having more of it than someone else. <laughs> so it's not, this is what Paul's speaking to. Like warn those who are in a situation where they have more than what they need. Well, just warn them. Warn those people who get so many boxes from Amazon, they can't even remember what's coming in the mail. Warn those people who live in such a 
society that, that, that there's opportunity all the time for more. Just warn them, right? Teach them. Just to tether their hearts to Jesus and just, just remind them, right? Remind them that the constant pursuit of having more so that you're, you're feeling more is just foolish. You are more in Christ. You have more than most. <laughs> and so if you can just avoid this pitfall of pride, of always feeling like you've got to have more than someone else to be more, then you can truly be settled and truly be content. And then you can master what you have, not have it master you, and then leverage it, as Paul says, for the benefit and the blessing of others. And here at Bell Shoals, listen, this is what we're all about. And so, listen, if you're thinking, leaning into your pride that you've gotta be more beautiful than others to be beautiful, listen, I just want you to know in Christ, you are beautiful. Like if you play tennis and you feel like you've gotta be younger to be better, that is 100% true. <laughs> But win or lose, right? Old or young, in Christ, you're fully accepted, loved, victorious, right? If we have more than we need, we're rich. And we're truly rich if we live with more than we need without ever having to feel like we have to have even more. Content, settled, blessed, fulfilled, mastering, using, leveraging what we have for the benefit of others and to enjoy God's goodness. And in that way, we prove to be rich, to live rich and to carry on the covenant of Abraham and that we are gonna be a people blessed to be a blessing to others. And um, hey, that's what this next seven years is about. Taking five days of vacation and going overseas with us and telling some people who don't know the name of Jesus that he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Serving in some of our ministries here and some of our partners here in West Central Florida and making a difference, inviting people to come to Jesus here at home, freeing up more dollars for ministry and missions in the years to come, right? I mean, this is what we are about. And um, that only happens as where people settled in who we are in Christ and seeking to make much of him.